Greetings, true believers, and welcome to No Responsibility Podcast. I am always Angry Jay, and with me today, as always, is Tyker Sean. Say hello, man. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And Sugi, what's up, dude? Hey, what's going on? And uh, it's been a while, but we are uh, excited to make another episode for you guys. And on that note, uh, we just want to make a brief announcement. Uh, We know things have been scattered uh, with our productions, and a lot of that has to do with uh, personal things that I won't get into on any of us. But if we had to compare it to a comic, I would... It makes me think of when Craven uh, buried Spider-Man alive. That's that's <laughs> what it feels like the past month. Um, and it's not for lack of wanting to create content. I know all three of us, if we could, we would do an episode a day if it was like feasible. And, you know, like it's just it's how much we want to talk about this. It's how much we want to do it. And we do have topics to cover and all these things that we want to do. And it's just it hasn't panned out. Our schedules have been tricky, but um, we're here. We're excited um, with the still messy release date. um, You know, like I feel like it's afforded us some time to have this sort of speed bump but we want to let you know that especially when the game comes out we absolutely want to drop at least one show a month we definitely want to do more but um that's basically our mo for the time being um and again you know we apologize we want to be doing this thank you all for joining us uh up to this point and uh, is there anything you guys want to say in regards to this real quick too yeah i just wanted to make it clear to everyone who listens that there is a limited amount of information available and for for us we don't want to make shows just to make them because that devalues the experience of you the listener if we just crank out all these shows and we don't have you know meaningful discussions we don't have insightful topics and we're just making a show to make a show so we want like one of our core foundations for anything we do is that it's going to be entertaining and it's going to be valuable so that you don't feel like you know you listen to the show and you're like well i, I just wasted my time i didn't learn anything i didn't hear anything i was like why did i do that um so with that in conjunction with you know there's the core set there's been a couple of packs spoiled and that's it we are trying to be you know as wise with the information we have available so that every single show is engaging and entertaining and super enjoyable for you to you know listen to and then engage with us on social media afterwards yeah and uh we apologize but we're we're three grown men with crazy schedules (laughs) <laughs> if we could, we would read comic books and play games all day and make podcasts. But uh, unfortunately, we all have jobs. And right now, Jay and I have uh, ever-changing schedules, which makes uh, doing the podcast a little bit tricky. But we really love engaging with all our fans uh, online. And we hope that you keep sending us the questions. And we're going to try to answer a bunch of those today. So we really appreciate your patience bearing with us. And uh Uh, We appreciate you guys. And one final note I want to make in case any of you are wondering, you know, why don't we maybe do shows with like less members of the party if we, you know, one of us can't make it. Uh, First off, just as a rule, we don't want to do that, period. I don't want to do the show without these guys. But also just for some behind the scenes, it's kind of logistically impossible because Sean and I can't edit. uh, So without Sudi, we can't make this show at all and i have to record at sean's place so if sean can't make it uh i if you want to hear through like the crappiest headset ever which i don't want to record on um you know like that would be terrible content and yeah so just you know that's also just not an option and not something we're exploring unless some extreme case comes up but uh where it's always gonna get us and uh we are excited to do more content as quick as we can. And uh, thank you all for your patience and understanding. And now without further ado, and you know, with all this delay that we've been having, what's the topic that's been on everyone's minds? Uh, Let's talk about Nova now that it's a (laughs) month behind us. But you know, we still definitely want to cover it. Uh, But I asked you one thing, Sudi, before you get into it. Um, I do know there's a fair number of our fans who uh, don't know what Nova is. Uh, so why don't you start with that and then lead us into your, uh, experience, uh, being able to play the game before us that we're totally not upset about. At all. 
Yeah, so NOVA stands for uh, Northern Virginia, so N-O-V-A, and the convention itself is actually based around a bunch of miniatures, um, like specifically Warhammer with a little bit of, you know, War Machine, you're going to like Kill Team, Necromunda, um, other... They have a pretty big X-Wing event there every year, don't they? Yeah, yeah. they do X-Wing, Legion, uh, there's Weird Miniatures is there with, um, oh, why am I blank, Malifaux. They're basically, Nova is originally and has always been focused on minis, but FF, for some reason, FFG is also there. So you have like Keyforge, Star Wars Destiny, Legion, X-Wing, and then this year, because they're demoing the brand new uh, Marvel Champions and Marvel Crisis Protocol, the miniatures game. So both of those tables are like right next to each other. So if you're listening and you're a card game player, you probably don't know what Nova is because Nova is not necessarily going to be marketed towards you. It's just a really interesting thing that FFG is uh, bringing card games to a miniature event. But it was still a lot of fun um, getting to play the game was it's as interesting as we've all seen um you know we've seen videos on youtube on twitch people are starting to review it uh team covenant has been doing their live streams and whatnot and the game is as uh, hard as you want it to be which i think is going to be a big draw to a lot of people because you can play super duper hard you can have all kinds of uh i, I don't know if there would be handicaps per se but you can add different levels of difficulty with you know the stages so you've got stage one stage two stage three you've got the different modules so you can pop in and out different things that you want to play either thematically or uh to increase your difficulty level and then of course um you know rhino scales into claw and claw scales into ultron now i will say that at Nova, we only had access to Rhino. Um, there was no Black Panther, so I haven't played with him, but I played with all the other champions. And even still with Rhino and four players, even players who had done the demo before or who had played uh, previous games such as like Arkham Horror or um, you know maybe Magic or Trading Card Game, it was still not free. Like sometimes people watch the reviews and they think, oh man, like you know these these villains are super easy to beat. You know, it's not too difficult or, you know, you watch some of the videos and it's like, well, on, on expert difficulty, you just lose every single time. There's a really healthy balance between how difficult the game is based on the cards and the difficulty level you've chosen. So, for example, if you play level one Rhino and then level two Rhino and that's it, that's not going to be as difficult as starting at level two Rhino and then playing into level three Rhino. But... It's always a very fresh experience, even playing the same character twice, um, because there is the capacity to mix up your aspects, which is really nice. Um, just because you play your character with your aspect doesn't mean that your uh, teammates aren't going to play something completely different if they have the same aspect. So, for example, you know, you can come with your Spider-Man with leadership and someone brings, you know, Captain Marvel with leadership and it's the same aspect for both characters, but um, your you know your hero cards are different. Your play styles are going to be different. The way the card draw comes out is going to be different, and I think that is probably one of the most under-explained things for the game. Like it's not something you can easily translate into a consumable piece of media, be it you know visually or audibly that you're going to have a consistently changing, evolving experience based on what you play, who you play with, what cards get drawn at what time, and, you know, both for the villain and the hero, and then the capacity to work together with your teammates. Because some people are not as vocal when you're playing. So, you're, you know, you're sitting at the table, you're playing this game, and sometimes people are like hey i've got this you know avengers mansion do you want to draw a card or i've got you know such and such and i can help you out uh, some players just kind of sit there and they don't say much and sometimes you you have to engage with them and say hey do you have anything that can help me and they go um i don't know maybe and you know you start to open up this line of dialogue so it's it's a really interesting uh, it feels like a very social it's a card game with a very social experience based off of 
your success. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Cosmic Encounter where there's a lot of talking around the table. People are trying to negotiate. People are trying to figure out strategy. People are trying to, um, you know, work together to find out the best way to, in you know, Cosmic Encounter to win the game, even though it's not cooperative. It seems to have a very similar vibe when playing Champions. If you're not communicating with your team, you're really not going to have a good time, and you're probably not going to win. That's another big thing we learned is people who aren't engaging and interacting usually have something you need or can help you get to where you need so that the whole team wins together and if everyone's just kind of playing solitaire it's not very fun at all so it sounds a little bit like they may have avoided one of the main pitfalls of cooperative games in that it it doesn't seem like it's possible for someone to just quarterback the whole thing uh you can't you can play your deck and you can ask people for information but you can't play all the decks for you know the whole side you can't tell people what's their best play every turn it's too many options and and that's often a, a an issue in cooperative games is it's really easy for like a power game or a strong player to just take over and tell everybody what their optimal move is every turn and it sounds like that's not really possible is was that your experience it is possible uh, but uh it's not it's not merely as defined so with the with just the core set i think as the game expands it's probably going to be much more difficult but with just the core set and the fact that you can you know show other players your hand um someone who is experienced could autopilot everyone else i do not believe they're going to have any fun doing that but there are points in time where someone may or may not understand the the value of a card or the math that they need to you know, win like the, like the Uber combo kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So there will be times where you are going to need an experienced player to help guide you through um, max maximizing your turn. So it would behoove you if you're not entirely sure how a combo works to ask other players, because realistically, that's kind of how the game works. It's a team based game. Uh, it's not a power gamer game. Like I said, someone could do it, but it'd be way more complex because you like you literally have to ask everyone to show them all your hands and you'd ha- have to like know all the cards in their deck. And you have to go through their graveyards and you have to do like there's way too many things for that to actually be fun. Yeah, and that's not that doesn't sound fun, really. Although it is possible because someone's listening probably is going to be like, well, I can handle all of that information. Sure, you could do it, but I don't think it's going to be fun for you or for them. But like I was saying, in, in the moment in which someone is not sure what to do, the team can come together and say, well, you know, you've got this and then you've got that. And if you put them together, you can do, you know, this massive amount of damage and draw these cards and so on and so forth. And then usually that player, the light bulb goes off, and they go, oh, and then they'll execute the combo. And then they feel like, you know, they did it and the team had input instead of the team doing it for them. And they just sat back and didn't do anything. If that makes sense. So just, just to be clear, you, you can ask people what cards they have and you can help them with their decision-making, but you don't like play with like all your hands showing or anything. It's not really open info completely, right? Not really. You could, if you wanted to, but really that's, that's okay within the rules. I don't I don't know if it's in the rules, but you can do it at the table. Like there's nothing that's stopping you. Like like technically, you're not supposed to have your cards open and everyone knows everything. But there will be points where someone has a question and they'll be like, Hey, if I do this move, will that help you on your next turn? And then usually the person will respond with what other things can you do? Right. And I like that you're you're bringing up like the social thing. You get the table talk going and whatnot. And I think that's really attractive. I just want to make sure that uh, we don't like tell our listeners that, you know, to, I don't know, uh, play in a way that's specific to only being optimal all the time. Uh, well, you, you can do whatever you want. Like there's there's no if you're playing at home with your friends, there's no rule that like says you can't show your friends your cards. Technically, you're probably not supposed to, but it's not like, you know, someone from FFG is going to knock on your door and be like, excuse me, you can't do that. No, sorry. In solo, you can play four characters and run all four decks. So, I mean, it's not like it's crazy. Something I I definitely want to kind of uh, bring everything together from what everything I've said, because I know that people could be listening and there's bits and pieces that don't quite make sense. So just to clarify, um, the game is in and of itself, like I said previously, can be as hard or as easy as you want it to be. And I want to quantify when I said that 
you know, if you make a mistake, the game punishes you. That is at the maximum level of difficulty. So if you're going for, you know, the hardest challenge possible and you want everything that the developers and designers can possibly throw at you to, you know, hit you in the face, it is also a very difficult game because of the fact that they're asking you as the player to be as efficient and teamworky as possible. No lone wolf is going to win the game. And if you make a misplay, the game is going the game will literally take advantage of that because of the way the difficulty is built in. If you're playing for fun or you're playing, you know, your very first game ever, that is not the case. The game is a bit forgiving on the early stages because the designers want you to learn how to play and not just get crushed. But if you're going to say, well, you know, I'm an experienced gamer. I know all this stuff. I'm just going to jump in at, you know, maximum level difficulty, expert level, 500 million Prezal. You're going to be challenged very, very well. And that's the thing that makes me excited is I know people who want to jump in at the hardest difficulty level, and we're going to have to work together to figure out how do we win? And then there's going to be people who are just experiencing an LCG for the first time. And that's going to be a lot of fun because we get to just kind of play as characters and have a dialogue and communicate amongst ourselves. All right, I'm wanting to do this. How can we do this together? Like, you know, hey, there's too much threat on this scheme. What do we do? Well, you know, I can thwart this turn. What about you? Well, you know, I can, you know, take out some of the the villain's health points. And then someone else says, well, I can put a bunch of allies out who can help get rid of some of these minions that are running around the board. And so we're all kind of collaborating together to have this, you know, team synergy. Those are all the things that make me excited because there isn't like one aspect of the game that's interesting all aspects of the game are interesting from you know brand new players to experienced players to people who just want the most difficult grindy game humanly possible against ultron at level three who's just going to create robots everywhere and you're like it's so difficult um and that's something i haven't really seen from a corset experience out of an lcg where regardless of what your experience knowledge or um anticipation of the game is the game will meet you at that level wherever you are. That sounds great. So since you're the one who's gotten to play it, I want to ask you some questions with your first-hand experience here. Uh, First off, what is a mechanic that surprised you the most? Now that despite maybe having your own impressions about it before playing and actually playing the game, what uh, what really stood out to you? The uh, the side schemes are a pain, a horrible, horrible pain. Um, There's... There's so much availability for design for the side schemes that makes me really excited. But um, the worst thing that happened was you have like the original one that says, you know, when it hits X amount of threat, you lose the game. And then another side scheme comes out that's like everyone gets an extra encounter card. And then you have another scheme that comes out that says, uh, you know, you can't remove threat from anything until you remove threat from this one first. And then you're like, oh my gosh, this is just going to be terrible. <laughs> kind of snowballs with those side schemes. Yeah, and it seems like from watching uh, different streams and stuff, one of the interesting things about uh, what are often referred to as small number games is, uh, you know, where like most of the effects in this game are in the single digits. You may have like two guys who have like a meaty three thwart, but they're all you have to use against something that only has four thread on it. And so like it sometimes can feel frustrating when you like overspend to get rid of one of those side schemes. And like, that's where some of the uh, interesting teamwork I think comes in where you're like, you know, I can hit that one for three and try to swing at the boss, but can you like finish that off? Otherwise more bad stuff's going to happen. And I think that's kind of neat where like even some of these, Small schemes are just like, yeah, it only comes in with five uh, threat. You know, it can't be that bad, right? And it's like, yeah, but the math doesn't work out in our favor, which is why even those small numbers can be really challenging. And I bet you experience that firsthand, I'm guessing, right? So I think that FFG's designers purposefully mismathed everything because there are consistent Consistently, as you play Marvel Champions, you have too much of a thing. So, for example, you have a card that creates three energy, but you only need two. But that's the card you need to get on the table, but you're going to have to overcommit your resources to do it. Um, There's plenty of times where you're looking at a side scheme that has, you know, four threat 
and someone goes, I can remove five threat. And you're like, ah, no. Or even worse, you have like, you know, a character that can remove like six threat or they can deal like six damage, but the minion they're attacking only has like four health. And you're like, oh, there's so many resources being lost. You know, you're, you, as a as a card game player, you're trying to min max everything so that you mathematically have like a net zero where you spend the you know exact amount of damage you spend the exact amount of resources and you exactly do everything exactly perfectly correct and then marvel champions comes along and says nope uh you're gonna overcommit and you're gonna like it <laughs> and um the the ability to try and circumnavigate that through table talk is really fun and i loved trying to work with my team where it's like we can easily easily get rid of this side scheme However, we really don't want to overcommit two extra threat because we could try and find a place to put that somewhere else or maybe someone, you know, flips over and does something like you're trying to work with what you're given, um, but you don't want to be, you know, too spendy. And most everyone who plays the game after the first round um, picks up on that. Like the first time you play, the first round you play, you're not necessarily going to comprehend how all the numbers work. You're just kind of experiencing the game. You're getting to enjoy the theme and the flavor and the fulfillment of like being a superhero. And then like the second or third round, you start to realize, wait a minute, I'm overdoing it. And that doesn't feel great. And so then you begin to start to communicate with your teammates. Hey, I, I'm uh, I'm dealing like six damage to this minion. Can someone like kill the minion? And I can just deal six damage to the villain. And someone's like, well, I can play this uh, this this ally and then I can attack. And then, yeah, you can do that. And then someone's like, well, I can also help you with that because I've got this other bonus here. And someone's like, and then I can give you a card with Avengers Mansion. And like this, this synergy and communal discussion just kind of organically evolves from well i don't have the t- i have too many tools or not enough tools i need and then the whole team comes together and we're like we're gonna figure this out and strategize and we're gonna solve this problem and then it's like okay how do we do that and that's kind of this fun you know socialization of like okay how do we solve this problem how do we get around this you know thing that uh, isn't necessarily you know very uh, easy to remedy at the current moment well it sounds like you had a ton of fun and uh, I just want to rewind a little bit for my question, which was you go to Nova, you get to play with every hero except for Black Panther, you said, right? Yes. And you get to play against all three villains? No, unfortunately, um, they only had Rhino. W- when you play, how many times total did you get to play? Um, must have been like 15, 20 times. Okay, so f- 15, 20 times. So that means that, uh, does that mean that they were adding modules at the different Rhino um, thing? Would like, was it kind of very much, uh, was there a lot of difference basically in the scenario? I believe they did swap modules between days. I can't confirm that um, because some games were either really, we, we had, there were not a lot of long games. So either we would win very comfortably there's like well of course there's three different things that would happen so it'd be like we we get crushed we win decisively or we like just eke it out which is probably not helpful to answer your question but i think the longest game we ever played might have been 45 50 minutes usually it was pretty quick or if like if it came to a place where we knew we were going to lose and there was a line we would just call it quits and let the next group of people play because you get to a point where you know it's over and there's no point in just going through the semantics of like we've lost the game we just cannot win um because you know whatever rhino's got a bajillion upgrades and he's also got all the side schemes and we just couldn't stop him or you know somebody dies or something like that and you're like well okay well, we'll okay. Try again. Well, it's, I mean, even despite the lines, you got to play it 15 or 20 times. So that's 15 or 20 more times than Jay and I have played the game. <laughs> uh, but okay, so moving on, you got to play all the heroes except for Black Panther. Did you get to play each hero with a different aspect? I got to play all four aspects. Um, but not necessarily I, on each hero, just over the course. No, of, okay. no, I did get to play at least, two, I believe, at least two per hero. 
Oh, I want to say I got three off of Captain Marvel, and I think I got three off of uh, Iron Man as well. And um, were they kind of like pre-set up decks for you, or did you get to kind of throw cards in and no, out? Or no, no, no. The, the, the demo people had predetermined which decks were what, um, because they were trying to get it to be a 50-50 ratio of wins-losses. So uh. like the first the first day, it was like 70-30 losses like everyone was losing really bad um oh. that was a a very crushing day because it was um it was just tough it was really really tough the way the aspects and the heroes were built but i also think they probably had a higher win loss ratio because um that was the first time people had demoed it because over the course of the four day convention i saw a lot of the same people coming back so i i would think that a mixture of the heroes and aspects versus people who had never played before just getting their feet wet probably led to the the higher loss ratio um but over the course of the weekend it became much more 50 50 and uh so you did you get to kind of like look through your decks before you played them and get a get a feel for them or did you just play play blind i did i don't think there was i don't there wasn't like you couldn't do that right and did you feel like you had the appropriate amount of helicarriers and avengers Mount- mansions <laughs> no in, in your- no i didn't oh, <laughs> I, I am a i'm a firm believer of card draw because the thing is you get to look at another tool and you can utilize that card as a resource so i'm a i'm a firm believer of a two mansion to one helicarrier so i i either do two to one or three to Well, this is going to be an ongoing debate because I think that there's a lot uh, to be said for the difference in those numbers between solo and group play. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's going to be a lot of play testing before I settle on it. But you obviously have quite a bit more play testing in than we do uh, now. (laughs) So I'm going to just go. I'm going to trust your judgment, Sugi, and say that 2-1 is where it's going to be my starting point um, when I start my builds. But that was just I just wanted to get into like, you know, just a little bit more detail about what you got to do and uh, what like cards you got to see. So I appreciate you covering that a little more. Yeah, I, the the big thing I like is and once again, I don't think this was very this or has been clearly defined by any, uh, you know, content creator yet. The aspects of this game in conjunction with a hero in conjunction with your personal style of gaming are going to really make for incredible experiences because it's, it's three different compositions of a, a formula that creates a, uh, a pleasant overall experience. So for example, you know, you're going to have a hero, you're going to have an aspect, and then you're going to have a player. And some players want to be, you know, really controlling. They want to help control the battlefield. They may or may not do a lot of damage, but they can help all of their friends do whatever they want. And then you're going to have the bruiser who's going to just run in and beat the living, you know, hoop scoop out of whatever is in their face. And they're just going to, you know, Hulk smash all the time. And then you're going to have the Voltron character who's, you know, you're going to take a long time to build up, but then you're just going to be a superhero god character and nothing can stop you. And, you know, you're going to have all these different personalities in conjunction with a favorite hero, in conjunction with an aspect of choice, and then your basic cards, you know, the gray neutral-ish cards. And all of those things, when combined together, create this incredibly satisfying, unique experience that feels not too different from Keyforge. And for those of you who don't know what Keyforge is, um, it's this unique game where through some magical algorithm, every deck that's printed is the only deck that will ever be printed with that specific amount of cards. And so when you win, you feel really empowered because you're the only person who could have possibly won with that deck at that point in time. And champions feel super similar where it's like man i played with iron man with this aspect with my play style and my teammates and we came together and we did it and you're probably never going to experience that exact same thing but that that memory and that high and that that joy it it just it it lasts and you're like man i can't wait to get to the table again and and see what happens next time with my next allies and the next villain and how are we going to do this yeah and one thing that i think is cool that's going to evolve from the game is that i feel like there's and i'm i'm generalizing but i feel like there's going to be three kinds of players there's going to be people who like really attach to one or a few characters and they don't really care what aspect they are they're just like i want to be spider-man i will be whatever spider-man this team 
needs in our group, but I just really want to be Spider-Man. I think there's going to be some people who really think like justice is the fun aspect and, you know, they'll play Iron Man justice. They'll play Captain Marvel justice. They'll play Thor justice. Just, I want to, I like the justice role. I like the, the things that it brings to the game and I don't really care who I attach it to. I just want to, I want to play that role. And then um, there's going to be people, you know, who are often referred to as just Phil or just like, yeah, I'll play, you know, whatever we need. Like I'll be, oh, we don't have a leadership guy. I'll be the leadership guy. Let's do this. You know, and just like, they just like the game and like, they don't necessarily, not to say that they don't have like a favorite character or anything, but just like, there's usually those three types of people in any given group. Um, and uh, I think it's just going to be really interesting to see like who gets attached to what part of the game and who wants to play, you know, like, uh what combinations and sure there's definitely going to be people who are just like i love she hulk justice you know 10 out of 10 that's my favorite deck and that's that's cool too but i'm just saying like i i think it's neat that like some people can attach themselves to characters but people who don't know the characters as well can come in and just like attach themselves to the aspects because that's kind of a role system to like help them understand what the game is and i really think it's cool and i want to press to people that like i really i haven't even played it but i uh believe that you shouldn't just pick an aspect because you think that character would be good at it because that's not really what the game's about i mean sure some characters will synergize more with some aspects than others but if you want to play protection iron man just protect the heck out of the game man and just you know manage your blocks and your and your allies and just have a good time. Just, you know, like if that's what you find fun and that's the character you love, you know, do it. Like that's, that's the game. And I, and I think that's the best part of the game. And I think you might end up, I know that I, I think I might end up falling in love with a particular character aspect combo and kind of play it forever. And as the card pool gets deeper, just keep adding and augmenting, and I could say, you know, I've been playing Captain Marvel Aggression since the corset, man. Uh, this is my go-to. Um, so and there's going to be creativity, even if you're just kind of stuck in one lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said, this is, it, it's really, really difficult to grasp this kind of excitement because it's not something that is easily explained. But the moment you play like your third game, you're going to just like like your light bulb is going to go off. You're going to be like, wait, I can play like four aspects with five heroes and then I can build my deck with all these different things. And then I could combine it with other people. So we might have like two of the same aspect with different heroes. And then like like all of these different combinations start kind of popping off. And it's like, wow that is that is super cool but the the best part is you are not punished by having a specific play style or character you want to play a lot of games have a specific path they want you to take and if you don't have like like if you play for example uh like a, a moba you know if you don't have like a tank and an assassin and a jungler and you know people who fill these different roles you're just going to have a really difficult time because the game specifically wants you to have people filling roles to work in a team composition. Uh, Marvel Champions isn't punishing in that way where it's like you have to have a leadership aspect and you have to have an aggression aspect and you have to have such and such. The game rewards people for playing how they want to play with the people they want to play. And sometimes it might be more challenging because if you don't have an aggression aspect, you don't have the capacity to put out significant amounts of damage, but you might be able to trade that with, you know, you have a ton of, you know, abilities to negate threat and you might have, you know, a bunch of allies. If you have a bunch of leadership aspects, like it's this ever evolving Tetris puzzle, but the best part is the game accepts pretty much anything you throw at it. Like I said, it's not just going to say, do you have one of each aspect? No. Well, you lose tough beans guy. No, the game goes, okay, we're still going to throw difficulty at you, but you still have the tools you need with your teammates to solve this problem being thrown at you. And I think it's going to be incredibly exciting because that gives so much more availability to the players 
as a whole. So it's like no meta. It's the game without a meta. I wouldn't say that because there's going to be a solvable mathematical meta that says, you know, these cards and this combination will perform the best. Mm. But that doesn't mean anything. You right. don't have to do that. But there there will like there will always be a meta where someone can mathematically deduce, you know, these these heroes with these aspects and this combination will be the easiest way to play the game the as opposed to optimal. the most optimal. Yeah. Yes. That's not what the game um, but, is about though. But that's not the way the game is meant to be played. No. Uh, one last thing I want to ask you, Suki, and um, I want to use this as a teaser for future content. Um, <laughs> without going into specifically why, I just want to hear what hero that you got to play and what aspect did you get to play surprised you the most. And then in a future episode, once we have the cards and we've all played it and we can break down you know, our personal experiences in playing the game... Uh, I want to like do deep dives on all the content, uh, but I just want to know uh, just your first impressions of playing the game. You know, about twenty-ish times, uh, who really stood out to you, and what aspect really stood out to you? Captain Marvel leadership. Ooh, in conjunction or just independently? No, no. Like the Captain Marvel leadership deck is spicy. That's really cool. Like we're talking like spicy meatballs with a little bit of Tabasco on top. It's like, ooh, flavor, 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 flavor. It's just so what, I what in it. particular? Just because uh, she has some really good allies that come in her. What's her? What's her uh, hero ally that comes with her? We'll have to talk about that in a future episode, oh, don't okay. you know? Yeah, that's right. Okay, we'll deep. We'll, we'll deep dive. I'm just like I want to know more. <laughs> I could talk about that deck a lot. <laughs> And with that, now we're moving on to a segment I'm very excited for. We actually have gotten a bunch of fan questions. We weren't able to get to them on our last episode because we went long, and this time I definitely wanted to make time for it. So let's dive right in. First off, I want to start with Roger Rodriguez, who asks us, how do you think FFG will handle adding playable versions of heroes who already exist in an ally form, especially those found in non-editable hero card pools? Uh, So... This question are things like, uh, you know, how are, do we think uh, Hulk will be handled? He's in the uh, aggression aspect, which you don't have to include him in your deck. But uh, another example could be Spider-Woman, who is Captain Marvel's uh, ally. Correct, Suji? Yes, I believe that is correct. So how do we think it would be possible to play uh, a hero version if another character already has them uh, baked into their set? Or even like War Machine's another example. Like, do we think we'll get a playable hero War Machine even though he is the uh, included ally in Iron Man's deck? Uh, personally, I believe that it will be completely possible to, with that specific example, like you can play Tony uh, with War Machine together on the table. Um, that's a combo that like the universe enjoys and they team up all the time and it'd be weird if they couldn't i do believe due to uh the uniqueness rule you just have to use uh the war machine card in iron man's deck as a resource uh luckily in that specific case it's a wild resource so it's still a very good versatile strong card in your deck i uh don't believe that uh, any character that's already appeared in a situation like this is precluded from uh, being available to be played in a future set, personally. I I would be surprised if we didn't see characters like Hulk, Hawkeye, Black Widow, and the like, you know, come out down the line. I assume that they will absolutely make a Bruce Banner Hulk hero, and I, I really look forward to the way that they explore the space between the alter ego of Bruce Banner and the Hulk, because he seems like somebody who shouldn't just be able to sw- switch back and forward uh, between the two sides of the card at will, because that's just not the nature of his superhero powers. I also really hope, I, and I I insist that they make a daredevil hero, <laughs> uh, which just means that whoever is playing justice correct he's the ally in justice whoever's playing justice if it's in the game at all just shouldn't take that ally um and and i think that that uh there's like maybe a, a couple other examples uh vision you reference and there's there's some really good characters that are in the game as allies that 
absolutely need to be represented as heroes, and I hope that they do that. Yeah, and I think even baked into the game, if you went to a, you know, uh, like a game night at your local store and played with people you hadn't met, and you know, Sean brings Daredevil, and I have, or somebody's never met before, has the Justice deck with daredevil in it you know again it's still a resource card it's not a dead card so you can't be like well we shouldn't play together you know it's just if he doesn't have the ability to deck build you can still play and i think that's inherently baked into the game and i think that's super cool uh to follow this question up with since it's kind of related in the same scope uh james meredith asks us how will the game handle playable characters with no real alter ego like the thing Again, I'll take first stab. It's a very uh, interesting question, and it's something that's on all of our minds. And I do think that even though currently the system largely revolves around an alter ego hero system, I wouldn't uh, be surprised if down the line they play with this a little and different heroes have different rule sets. Uh, Thor is pretty much half announced at this point. and, you know, there's a lot of discussion if uh, Donald Blake is going to be his alter ego, even though he really hasn't shown up in the comics in a long time. Thor, most of the time, stomps around as Thor as much as possible. He's proud to be Thor. And there's even been storylines where he's lost the hammer and he's been referred to as unworthy. And some people believe that that would be a more fitting alter ego for him where you have to through some gameplay mechanic uh, become worthy again to have the mantle or even, you know, and this is just a pure shot in the dark. You know, I'm not even going to say I'm calling this one, but like I could see a character like Thor drop into the game in hero mode. And then uh, he actually can't flip unless he's taken a certain amount of damage. And then he goes into like a recovery mode. And that's what dictates that play. But then, of course, that immediately brings up the question, like, well, then what would his obligation be? I don't know. I'm just, there's, <laughs> I feel like there's um, interesting directions this can take. And uh, for specific characters, again, like Thor or even like Drax, you know, Drax, actually, a lot of people don't know this, especially thanks to the movies, but Drax is a human. He has a human name. He went through a process to turn him into what he is as Drax. Um, But, you know, for references to his people and uh, his kind, um, he's a person. I that that was an interesting (laughs) direction to take his character, you know, but um, it's not like he ever runs around and calls himself by his actual name. But uh, I want to know for characters like him, because I'm guessing we're going to get a guardian set eventually. You know, how do you do Drax? How do you do Kimura? Kimura does not have Groot. any other yeah any other identity than who they are well can i actually i want to speak specifically to the character that he references in the question which is which is the thing, thing. Yeah. and and thing has an alter ego name which is ben Grimm. but they could attack it from a completely different direction where you start as ben Grimm, and once you flip over to the thing that's it you're the thing for the rest of the game Ooh. because he becomes the thing as part of his story arc and then he struggles because he can never be a normal man again after that. That's a big part of his his character arc. And th- there, I, th- I think that this this problem, so you know, so to speak, of like the 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 heroes that don't quote unquote have an alter ego, is really just r- an opportunity for them to be really creative mm-hmm. with the game mechanics. Um, and there's some characters, really famous, popular characters that can't be said to have an alter ego. I mean, a lot of the X-Men are that way. Uh, the, the, you know, Ben Grimm and the thing from the Fantastic Four. I mean, the Fantastic Four are just the Fantastic Four. They don't really turn it off and on. Um, and so a lot of the X-Men, it's the same thing. And these are huge characters that need to be in the game. So they have to figure it out. You know, there's really not a whole lot of choice there. We're just speculating about how they're going to figure it out is a lot of fun. Yeah, so something I'm I'm straight up stealing from Keyforge again because there's a new set and I'm really excited about it, but they have this new mechanic called Enrage where if you have an Enrage token like you have to fight and after seeing that I was like, what if you have like you know, the thing or you know, you have a character where one side only has like an attack value 
no thwart, can't thwart, doesn't exist. So if you want to thwart, you have to flip over to the other side. So like, or for example, like if you have like the Hulk, because the Hulk is probably going to become a hero. Instead of doing, uh, you know, Bruce Banner into the Hulk, you could have just a Hulk two side. And then one is like an enraged side where he deals like, you know, five damage, but he can only attack. He can't block, he can't thwart, he can't do anything. He can just only ever attack. And then on the other side, he might have like a smaller, uh, you know, attack value, but he can he can also thwart. He can also defend um, and he might have an actual like ability like so you can kind of make these characters have a all in phase where, you know, they have no special power, no special action. They just have a huge value. Or on the other side, you know, they might have an action and smaller values and they can do a little bit more. Um, I don't know. Like, it's a very interesting question. And if the designers tackle that with, you know, a character that only is, you know, a hero and then, you know, both sides of the card are hero mode, I'll be intrigued to see how they do it because there's so many different like flavorful things they can do in terms of, you know, comic book theme. But then there's also a lot of mechanical flavors they can have where, you know, like you were saying, you can't flip unless you take damage or you must flip if you take damage. So like anytime you take damage, you just become like this weaker version of yourself. And you're like, oh, I'm unworthy, you know, to become worthy. Like you have to, you know, spend some sort of resource or something like there's all kinds of different neat things that could happen. And it's very exciting. Mitchell Sheehan asks, what do you think your campaign play will be like? Suki, you've played it. Why don't you uh, field that one first? Yeah, there's a lot of different paths FFG could take. There's... I believe Arkham Horror uses an experience tracker. Um, some games, like some of the FFG board games, when you play in like a campaign mode, you get new items or like when you complete a campaign, you get money and then you can go to like the item shop in between campaigns. So there's a lot of different ways they could do this. I think personally, the most thematic thing they could do is have like gear and equipment and stuff that the characters have used in the comics that you can purchase in between rounds. So it's like, you know, if you defeat a villain, like, like a minion, you get, you know, a gold or a dollar, whatever um, resource they want to use to, to buy items. And then, you know, in between each campaign, it's like, you can buy, you know, Captain America's shield, like permanently, but this could be for somebody else. Like you could put it on Falcon or you could buy, you know, a different spider suit or you could buy, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of, potential things that they could put in i don't know if that would be the best thing but i'm thinking like from a thematic experience because for me a campaign is usually more about the journey not the destination and the stories you create with your friends as you go um but there is so much flexibility i have no earthly idea where to pin what ffg is going to do and i think that's good because they can surprise us i think they're gonna play a lot with the rules personally i could see them like because it feels like there's going to be like an encounter track, if I had to guess. Uh, I mean, again, the one we know about is Wrecking Crew, and that's four guys. I don't think you're fighting them all at the same time. Maybe you do, maybe at the end. Um, but I could see, I could see like a tree where it says like fight this guy first, and then if a player got knocked out this round, then add this module to the next fight, or this a bunch of like if thens. You know, like if you didn't and I I could even see them having like little uh, I'll call them achievements. Just like did someone achieve this, you know, feat? If you did, then the next fight's easier. If you didn't, then the next fight's harder. Like I could see them playing with like, you know, if 10 allies were knocked out uh, over the course of this fight, like maybe, you know. The, the casualties were too heavy and now all the players are depressed. You know, like I could see things like that. Maybe you deck build around that, but maybe you have to keep the same deck for the whole campaign though. So you're like, cool. We don't want to have a lot of allies for this scenario, but then we probably want allies later. And that's why that guy's up there earlier to mess with, you know, do we deck build for now or for later? Maybe you can, uh, I mean, I'm not saying like, you guaranteed have to play the same deck all the way through, but that might be a variant or a mode is more what I want to say. Like, you know, 
most of this game is going to be playing the way you want to. I just, I think it would be cool if there were a lot of like, again, if then statements, if you guys accomplish this, this happens. If you didn't, this happens. And it just like, it makes it so like you want to try different stuff and different outcomes and all that kind of stuff. Jill Weber asks, what do we think organized play is going to look like? Now, because both of you have played the former or the previous offerings from FFG Cooperative, um, I think maybe you could uh, use that as a template. Um, what do you think about that? Uh, in the past, in games like Arkham Horror, they usually create a unique scenario. Um, it's usually like a souped up boss or it's something that like, like Arkham Horror is interesting in that it's made to be played like over a long period of time, like as Sudi mentioned, like with the XP tracker, but for some of their organized play events, they, they kind of feel like a big one and done thing. And again, I think for Marvel, I could see them releasing like either like a specific character boss that you can like fight at the event and then maybe after you play him you can buy him or he's like maybe he's a a more juiced up green goblin you know who has different stats and so you can like add him to your collection and he's a different you know level three or something you know and like that makes going to the event cool because it's a unique encounter and then if you do it you get to take it home and it like modifies your home game and makes it neater you know maybe there's you know, a rank four rhino, you know, that I would, that would be an event in my opinion. Like, and then it's just like, Holy crap. Like he's got, you know, suit suit. He's already sweating over the health pool he saw before. And, you know, imagine him going even higher. Like, I no, think thank you. Those are kind of the, <laughs> those are the kind of things I think, uh, organized play would bring out is just like, this is a cool, unique encounter. And then hopefully you can take something and like, take the experience home and share it with your friends later but in order to get it in the first place you have to go to the shop and do it this is my estimation yeah i'm pretty sure it's going to be very similar to the old 20 dollar uh op kits where you get a play mat you get to play against this like jay was saying souped up villain and then once you win or lose you get to take that card home with you and you can play it with your friends who may or may not have had the opportunity to go to the op event but i feel like that's probably the best way to run op is that everyone who participates gets the exact same thing because you're not at that point you're not um celebrating someone's um ability to be successful but you're celebrating the community coming together and enjoying this experience uh as a team because that's kind of what the whole cooperative lcg game experience is about it's not about well i'm a better gamer than you because you know i went five and one in swiss pairings and i won the tournament no there's no tournament you're just playing the game and having fun with your your cohorts and I think FFG's done well. Like the playmats they come out with are usually really cool pieces of artwork. You either get some tokens or a new um, you know, villain or something or a module or something to take home that makes the game usually it makes the game harder just because they want to challenge the people who are participating in the OP event. And if you like it, great. If you don't like it, it's also great. Like it's a completely optional thing. Like if you don't want to participate, you don't have to. It doesn't change the dynamic of the game where if I have played in the OP, I've got more stuff to do and it's more fun and my my game night's better than yours. It's just a different game night. And that's that's my opinion of what the OP kits will be. If you guys are right about that, then I'm super excited because that's what I want honestly i i strongly don't think as Sudi just mentioned i don't believe there's going to be a competitive aspect in fact i no. really want that to just be like have fun play with some friends maybe you get destroyed it doesn't matter you just you had fun you tried it you know you get to take something home gg yeah i think if you wanted to do anything competitively you could try and see how fast you could beat the villain but that's just purely between groups of people like the game is not competitive whatsoever and i don't think it ever needs to be um but if you ever wanted to try and speed run it because you know speed running in video games is a thing that could be fun but you know once again completely optional not necessary on our 
Discord, uh, Paratrooper362 asked, which already announced villain or hero are you most excited about uh, after the core? Definitely it's it's Captain America. Uh, Miss Marvel apparently is very exciting too because Michael Boggs was excited about it. I'm excited about it. But I think Captain America is what everybody's stoked about right now. I actually wrote up a small piece about this on the Facebook, but I'll briefly mention um, along with Cap, who I'm really excited for. We're going to do an entire episode about cap uh soon so look forward to that we were gonna try and do half nova half cap but we knew i knew i could talk about cap for an hour so um look forward to that we're we're crazy excited to talk about him um but uh i was really uh excited to see that baron zemo was his nemesis which on its own right isn't inherently surprising but what really impressed me was uh just how well his card was designed both for theme, for art, just uh, for the game itself. Like everything about that card really impressed me so much that I wrote a couple of paragraphs about it. But just um, the main thing um, that I think he brings to the table that's super cool is his ability when Baron Zemo is engaged with you, you cannot thwart. And the thing that makes him an interesting character in the stories is while he's not much of a super character in his own right some versions of him have had like a hydra version of the super soldier serum and some of more to more of a uh regular dude but regardless he knows how to cause a commotion but also uh be the center of attention and if you don't uh deal with him directly um he's gonna cause a lot of trouble and um he used to be the guy uh who sniveled in the background and just kind of like wringed his hands and like giggled he was he's actually a lot like cobra commander but uh he was rewritten to be more of a frontline shot caller you know he's the evil captain america and instead of a shield protecting people he is cutting people down and He's causing you to panic. And even in the art of the card, I just love the way that he's staring you as the player down while firing a gun and terrifying civilians. And you can't help those civilians until you deal with Baron Zemo. And everything about his card is captured perfectly uh, with his art and his design. And even the very powerful shield toss card that's been uh, spoiled that deals a meaty four that doesn't even take him down. He's got five health. Like you can smash him with the shield and he's still coming. 10 out of 10 card design. I'm actually pretty excited to be honest for Cap, but I'm really, really, really excited for uh, Norman Osborn slash Green Goblin, the uh, mechanic where he flips back and forth based on the game state is extremely intriguing to me. I really, I really want to see how players adapt to that mechanic because unlike anything we've seen before, like if you look at Rhino, Rhino is just a thing. Like he's he's a big, beefy, rhino-y bad guy villain. He doesn't really do anything else. He just runs in and beats you in the face and you have to figure that out. Uh, Norman Osborn is very sneaky. Sometimes he's Norman Osborn. Sometimes he's the goblin. Sometimes you're going to do something that turns him into the goblin. And you don't want to do that. And sometimes you're going to do something that's going to turn him into Norman Osborn. You really don't want to do that. And you're just constantly like, oh, man, he's just constantly, you know, Charlie Browning on me. He's just slippy floppy. And you have to figure out, OK, how do we deal with this? And it adds an extra level of complexity, which also adds an extra level of communication amongst all of your teammates, because now you can't just do whatever you want because your action might flip uh, Norman into Goblin. And then that could do something terrible to the next person who may or may not have a lot of health. And you could be like, oops, I didn't mean to do that. Sorry. Ah. So now you kind of have to be like, hey, you know, if we flip into Goblin, you know, are you going to be OK? And they'll be like, well, may- no, I don't know. Maybe not. And you're like, oh, man, well, we have to stick with Norman, but he's going to scheme. And, ah, what do we do? And anything that promotes dialogue in this game, I think, is not only going to be healthy, but very entertaining. And so that new uh, flippy floppy Charlie Brown mechanic on 
uh, Norman and Green Goblin, I think, is very exciting for me personally. All right. And to finish this segment off for today, and I just want to say, uh, firstly, um, we got a lot of questions. If we didn't get to it this time, uh, I definitely am excited to answer more in the future. Uh, keep throwing them at us, and we'll keep doing the segment. And um, also... If I pronounced your name wrong, I'm sorry. I gave it my best first attempt. Um, feel free to correct me, uh, but just know that I tried. Uh, we're going to end with our first fan question that we got uh, back when we started the Discord. Um, I'm going to take a stab at your name, man. Uh, your Discord handle, as far as I can read it, is Renee's. Um, and you asked, uh, which more obscure character, preferably one that's never been in a movie or TV show for Marvel, would you like to see released as a character in the game? And I have a doozy, so I'm going to go last. All right, Tug, why don't you go first? Okay, mine's real easy. Howard the Duck. <laughs> he's, he's a very funny character. He can be sometimes very crass. Um, that's not what I want him for. But he's just this very, he's weird. You don't see him very often. Uh, he's technically in the movies, but he's like a very Easter eggy character who's like not only in the background, but you have to like know where, when, and what you're looking for because it's a duck. But he's so quirky. He's so fun. And, you know, I like playing Ewoks in games. So, you know, having a fun, short, fluffy animal style creature is always, you know, a favorite of mine. But I just think it'd be funny if it's like, oh, hey, here's Iron Man, Hulk, Thor, Howard, the duck. And you're like, what do you do? It's like, you'll find out. Wow. I actually really like the Howard the Duck movie from the 80s. I don't know if you guys even remember. <laughs> oh, we don't talk about that. Oh, no, I loved it. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, good call. Good call. You've brought up Howard before. So we know of your love of Howard the Duck. Uh, my answer, I actually had to think about this quite a bit because so many things have been put out in, in movies. And I was going to say Silver Surfer, but he was in one of the Fantastic Four movies that we also don't speak of. Um, what? <laughs> I was not a fan of those. I'm sorry. I love the Fantastic Four, but they were so bad. Um, what are we talking about? <laughs> uh, so so I'm going to come way out of left field and bring up uh, basically a whole team, which is Excalibur, which is Captain Ka- Ka- oh. Captain Britain, um, (laughs) Fairy, uh, Nightcrawler was rolling with them. Uh, But probably the the best uh, choice would be, um, is his name Deadlock the Dragon? Yeah, they had had some really, really good stuff in the Excalibur series. But uh, Captain Britain might be kind of interesting to see what a different take they would have on him as opposed to Captain America. And I always really like the Excalibur stuff. So uh, even if you haven't heard heard of it, I, I... I think it's really good, and um, I hope that some of that makes its way into the game. My choice is a character that I have no expectation of happening. Uh, I actually see uh, your guys' choices being way more likely than mine. But a couple years ago, uh, I really, really got into the writer Rick Remender, and he wrote one of my, if not my all-time favorite uh, comic series, uh, Uncanny X-Force. And that brought to the fold a character who had been around in some of the X-Men books, but most people, I've almost never met anybody who knew uh, who this character was. Um, And his name is Phantom X. He is uh, part of the same weapon program that Wolverine did when it was restarted in the future. Um, He is known as Weapon 13. Uh, He has a really bizarre set of powers. Um, He's kind of based on a poem called Diabolique, uh, both where his name and his partner comes from. Uh, I'm just going to get the weirdest thing about him out there in front. He has a a ship that he hides in his mouth that he can remove and expand, and then everyone rides in it, and it's kind of like a flying saucer, and it's called Ava. And, you know, that's one of the bizarrest things I've ever read in a comic ever. But at the same time, like, that's kind of the fun part about comics. Uh, He has a mild healing factor. Um, He wears this really cool mask that uh, makes him impervious to mind reading, um, which was tested early against both Jean Grey and the Professor. Um, Although at one point uh, it becomes loose when he took a really bad hit and Jean stole the moment to figure out who he was. And the whole time... Uh, he was lying about his identity. That's a big thing about him. Uh, one of the fun parts about his character is that um, there's some belief that even what he believes is a lie. Um, he refers to himself as Jean-Philippe. Uh, he's a thief. 
um, some of his other abilities. He has nanites in his brain, and he can um, sort of like go into this cool trance state where he can let the nanites take over. He had to do this really intense self-surgery uh, when he got shot really, really badly that his uh, healing factor wasn't good enough for, and he like was dumped in a pool and like went into trance mode and ripped all the bullets out, and that was a really cool moment. Um, and uh, his main superpower uh which makes reading the comics fun itself is uh he has like an illusion based ability where um it's it's on a mass scale like not quite uh scarlet witch level but sort of like a localized battle he can misdirect uh both his team and whoever they're fighting uh to often make the situation look way more dire and then snap it back and uh, what seemed awful was actually in their favor. Um, and it's a really cool, just like narrative device. Um, it's kind of hard to explain with words, but it's a really cool story. He's a really dynamic character. He sounds really powerful, but he's written pretty well. And he's kept in check in a lot of times where they'll meet new threats and like some of his tricks don't work and they pretty much establish it at the start of the fight. There's one enemy who just looks at him and like does something to his head and he can't use his illusion ability. So you know that this next encounter is exactly as it appears to be. What did you say? Phantom X is his name? Phantom X. It might. So the, I believe the poem he's based on is called Phantom Awe, but it's not spelled the same way. So, or Phantom O. I, it's, yeah, he's a he's a very fun wiki read. If you if you uh, yeah, I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to because that's one I had not heard of before. Um, but is he a duck? No, he's not. A, well, not he, a duck. He can make an illusion that makes you think he's a duck. Maybe he's Howard in disguise. He just doesn't know it. It could be. Could be. What he believes are lies. And uh, and it's just one of those things where it's like. I'm sure a lot of you are like, this is the weirdest, most bizarre thing I've ever heard. And like, that's kind of why <laughs> that's what I'm thinking, actually. And um, that's kind of what's fun about comic books is you can write characters like this. And I instantly fell in love with him. I love his design. I love the way he interacts with the other characters. Um, his arc is just really, really incredible. And I fell in love with him instantly. And I even I can't take the like mouth ship super seriously some of the times that I've written him, but it's a thing it's what he's got uh he also what's really cool is uh he holds this little thing uh it's called the world and with that it's like a pocket universe that he was trained in and like that's where he like that's where that new weapon project was held and then he stole it so uh, a lot of the events that revolve around the story is the fact that he has this like cool little pocket dimension. And yeah, he's just, there's like 10 more things I could tell you that it would make you shake your head, but uh, I'll, I'll leave it there. But <laughs> thank you. Um, by and large, he is one of the most fun characters I've ever read in a comic book ever. And I fully lean into the fact that he's um, absurd. Yes, Michael Boggs, we're challenging you to create this character. <laughs> you, you think you have the chops. <laughs> the gauntlet has been laid. The gauntlet has been thrown down. This is our new segment, Impossible Things to Put in the Game. <laughs> he was the first one that popped in my head, and I was like, I I, I hesitated. I was like, maybe this is too much, but you no, know No, no, we got to go deep. We got to go deep. It's it's well, this is why I made the podcast. <laughs> so I can talk about Phantom X. Here we go. All right. <laughs> Ulterior motives. We want to thank every one of our listeners today um, for, you know, we appreciate you uh, understanding and waiting for our content. We're excited to do more. We're going to we're going to talk endlessly about Cap. Uh, we're all excited for Cap. So um, look forward to that. And uh, just always remember, you know. Uh, we are no responsibility podcast because we have no powers, no ego, and most importantly, no responsibility. Thank you all. <laughs>